All right, I'm ready to get into God's Word today. And as I mentioned a few moments ago, this is Super Bowl Sunday, which means a lot to some people. It means nothing to other people. Um, but I want to talk about one of the super issues of life. We're in a series called Perspectives. And I want to talk about an issue today that absolutely will address things in the life of every person who's following Jesus. But you know, a perspective is how I see something. It's my perspective. My perspective can be right. My perspective can be wrong. But everybody has a perspective on all kinds of topics. Jesus said, if I see things clearly, I will have light for my decisions. But if I don't see things clearly, I may very well end up groping in the darkness just trying to find my way. My perspectives eventually are going to govern and shape my life. And if my perspectives on life issues are correct, I can live a long, blessed, healthy life. But if my perspectives are wrong, I'm going to make poor life decisions and I'm going to suffer the consequences. Now, one of the things I've learned is if my perspectives align with God's word and his perspectives... I'll begin to see things as God sees them, and then I can make wise, godly decisions. So ultimately in the series, we're showing you that I need to have God's perspective on all the issues of life. I need to live life, seeing life through the eyes of God's word. So today, I want to talk about something, and it's three words, and they all go together but we're going to look at them separately and then put them back together. I want to talk to you today about perspective on God, prayer, and faith. God, prayer, and faith. What is your perspective on God, prayer, and faith? I'm going to begin today in Romans chapter 8. Number one, what is my perspective on God? What is my perspective on God? In Romans 8, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's talking about this new life we have in Christ. And he begins that chapter by saying, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If we're following Christ, our sins are forgiven. It's under his blood. We don't have to carry the shame and the condemnation of our past. But then he starts talking about the new life. And he says, we need to learn to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. We need to learn to walk a life with Christ. And as he gets into this, he gets into a perspective on how we can see God and how we should see God. Let's pick it up in verse number 14. Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now pause here for just one moment. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, let me explain this so simply because I think sometimes we overlook this. God's Spirit is trying to lead us into good decisions in life. He's trying to lead us in the right paths, into the right ways. He's trying to help us make wise decisions. But you know, it's one thing to have something leading you it's another thing for me to be trying to follow. So if I'm going to be led by the Spirit, I have to choose to follow where 
the Spirit of God is leading. And what Paul says is, if we have submitted our hearts and our lives to God and we're following the leading of His Spirit, that's just a sign that we're the children of God. Now, next verse, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to live in fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, which means God has chosen us, we become his children. And by the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, notice those words. We cry out, Abba, Father. I'll get into this in a few minutes. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. One of the things that God's Spirit is trying to convince us of is that we are God's children. Now, let me make this very personal this morning. It's one thing to believe that we are God's children... It's another thing to be convinced, I am God's child. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. Two different things. How do you see God? Do you see him as a father? Do you see yourself as his child? Or what is your perspective? He's just somewhere out there in space, and we don't know where he is and when he is, but every now and then he shows up. We don't know anything about him, but we believe he exists. That's not really relationship with God. And Paul is trying to teach us about relationship with God. And he says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are considered children of God. So I need to follow where the Spirit of God is trying to lead me. Now, Paul paints this intimate picture here that I want to spend just a couple of minutes with because it's important that every follower of Jesus understands this. Paul says, our relationship with God is that of a father and a child, a father and a son, a father and a daughter. That's how God wants us to see our relationship with him. So when we look at God and we talk of God and we think about God, we think of him as a loving, heavenly father. And in him, there's no bondage, there's freedom. There's no fear, there's security and peace. But the part that he gets into that is so intriguing to me is he says, from time to time, we cry out, cry out. Now, stop here just a moment, okay? Children come in all ages. Isn't that right? Zach and Ashley, they've got them from almost every age group possible. (laughs) Just kidding. I, I pick on my son. It's okay. He won't get too mad at me. He'll, he'll get over it. But, but here's the point. My, my father and mother, mother are both gone. But I was their child until they passed. And I was almost in midlife when they passed. I just now reached midlife. So I, I was almost in midlife when they passed. But I was still their child. And you see, some children are young and immature Other children are older and more mature. Some children are old and still immature because children just work that way. But the point is, Paul said there are times when we cry out to God and we cry out, Abba, Father. Those words, that expression, Abba, Father, two words go together and it really means my Father God, my Daddy God. I belong to you and you belong to me. You've adopted me. I've got all the rights of the family. You are my Father. Father, 
And the question is, what is my perspective on God? Do I see him as my loving father? Now, when a little bitty child wants something from mom or dad, what does that little bitty child do? Cries out. That's what Paul's talking about here. There are times in life when we carry things that are so heavy, we cannot fix it, we cannot solve it, we cannot provide for ourselves. And in that moment, Paul said, it's okay for us to look to God and cry out and say, my father, I need your help. But do you see God as a father who cares about what's going on in your life? When I was a kid, I was raised in a real old-fashioned, real legalistic church. I was taught at a young age to be afraid of God. And I, I promise you, I was. I was a pretty good kid. I was a little ornery, but I was a pretty good kid. But I feared God because I remembered everything I had ever done wrong. And I knew that he knew it too. And I had this picture of God, you know, he's sitting up in the clouds and he's kind of shaped like clouds, you know, but he's got this hair that's combed back on the sides and it's kind of long and he's got this short beard and it's kind of salt and pepper and he's looking down and he's angry. And as a kid, I spent all my childhood years just trying to keep him happy so he didn't kill me. (laughs) Honestly. And I knew any day he could take me out because of the war going on in my heart. That's how I saw God. And the problem was I never drew close to God. I stayed at a distance and I tried to just make him happy. And I thought if I can stay out of sight and out of mind, he won't kill me. But that's no way to have a relationship with a father. But then let me flip that over. My earthly dad, he and I were buddies. When I was a little kid, he was my buddy. I got to be a teenager and we weren't quite as close because I don't think he understood me. And how many parents have got teenagers? When they get to that age, you just don't understand them. Things do change a little bit. But then I got older, became a man. My dad and I were best friends. I remember when I lost him, it broke my heart. When he went to heaven, God took him from man. I was so sad. I was hurt for days. But, but here's the thing. My dad would do anything he possibly could to help me in time of need. And there were a lot of times in my adult life when I faced situations I didn't know what to do. I I had no way out. I'd go to my father, and 99% of the time, he could help fix things. He could help me figure things out. One day, several years ago, I was in the church where I was pastoring. I was facing a huge need, and the church had a huge need. I was in the auditorium. I was walking back and forth, praying, talking to God. And one of those moments when I'm crying out to God, and I'm saying, God, we have this huge need. God, if we don't get this need met, I don't know what we're going to do. God, I don't see any way. And I'm going all along telling God all about this big problem. And right in the middle of all of it, this thought ran through my mind. I wish you were as good as my earthly dad. And when it started and ran through my mind, I caught it. And I realized my thinking, my perspective, does not align with God's word. And I'll show you here in just a few minutes. I've I've missed the point. My heavenly father loves me more than my earthly father. My heavenly father is able to bring things into my life my earthly father could never bring my way. So I need to change the way that I see him. And see, here's the thing. My perspective on God will determine how I approach God. And how I see God, my perspective 
is going to determine what kind of relationship I have with him. A close relationship of trust or a distant relationship of question. It depends on the perspective that I have. So I'm going to ask you again, what is your perspective on God? Do you see him as a loving father? The picture that Paul is painting is very simple. It's God sitting in his favorite chair and all of a sudden the child runs up and jumps in his lap and throws his arms around his neck and says, Dad, I love you. Dad, can you help me? Dad says, yeah, I'll do anything you need. That's the picture we need of God. Which brings me to the second perspective. Ask yourself, what is my perspective on prayer? Now, anytime I talk about prayer, I have to do this. Prayer is a religious word for talking with God. It's a religious word for communication. Where else do you use that word prayer? I know Old English, they used it in some instances. But today, where do you ever use the word pray and prayer except when you talk about God? When I talk to my wife, I don't sit down and say, oh, honey, I pray that you will do this or I pray that you will do that. Sometimes she wishes I would, but I don't do that. <laughs> honey, this is my prayer. No, see, prayer is just a religious word that describes communicating with God. So what is your perspective? How do you see prayer? Do you see it the way God sees it? Now, let me show you what Jesus said about prayer. He taught on prayer in several areas or different places, but I want to show you one thing. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. But then he gives this illustration of this father-child relationship and our communication with him. He says in verse 9, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? You wouldn't do that to your child. And Jesus says, Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? Most of you wouldn't do that. A couple of you I wonder about, but most of you wouldn't. In verse 11, Jesus says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, in this passage, simply talking about prayer, Jesus gives us two parts to prayer here. The first is what we would call a petition. It's telling God what we ask what, or what we want, what we need. And he uses the expression ask, seek, knock. Those three words, ask, seek, knock. He said when you talk to God, ask, seek, knock. But in the original writing connotation, what he's saying is ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Be persistent. Be consistent when you talk with God. And, you know, I asked myself the question, why would he say ask, seek, knock? It's because a father expects his children to ask for things that they cannot provide for themselves. Your children don't come and ask for things they already have. They ask for things they don't have, things that they want, things that they need. And God's the same way. Our heavenly father wants to provide good things for us. And so he expects us to ask. 
Now stop for just a moment because I don't know who it is, but there's somebody in this room right now. You really need to get an understanding of this. God expects you to ask for what you need. He's expecting that. He's waiting for that. He's wanting you to ask him for things you can't provide for yourself. There needs to be a shift in how I see God. So we should be asking. But then the second part of this prayer, Jesus said, if you ask, you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, the door is open. Which means what? There's not only the petition and the asking, there should also be an expectation that God is going to provide what I've asked for. Now, I know you can get silly. I know you can get goofy. And we're not going to take a long time to talk about this. But you know what? Most of us, when we talk to God, it's serious things, things that we need in our lives, things we cannot provide for ourselves. And Jesus said, when you have those kind of needs, you need to run to the Father because... And here's, here's the contrast. If you being earthly, imperfect, that, that'd be you and me, okay? If we who are imperfect give good gifts to our children, how much more does our perfect heavenly father, how much more, how much more does he want to put good things in the lives of his children? This is good. But you see, I need to see God that way. I need to see prayer as an asking and then me expecting God to answer my prayer and give me the things that I've asked for. And and here's, here's the tagline here. A loving father, a loving father is not going to disappoint his children. He's not. Now, I know there's a problem here, okay? So let me, let me just deal with it for a moment. When you say heavenly father, You cannot look at a heavenly father without looking through your earthly father because father is defined by your earthly father. I had a great dad, but not everybody had a great dad. For some people, when you say father, you say, I never knew him. He abandoned us. When I say father, it's, man, my father was mean and nasty. My father abused me. My father was this. My father father was worthless. And so when you say Father God, you have to think about an earthly father first. But I'm going to tell you something. He was the father before your father was a father. He is the real father. He is the one who defines what a father is. And when you look at the word, you find out he's a good God and he cares about everything going on in your life. So we need to talk to him about what's going on. Ask him for the things that we need. It's interesting when Jesus taught his disciples on prayer... One day they came to him and said, Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. You go and pray all night. Show us how, how do you pray? Years ago, as a younger minister, I, I began to watch people and talk with people and teach prayer. And I learned something. There, there are different reasons why people don't pray, why they don't talk to God. But I think there are two main reasons people don't talk with God. Number one. They think they don't know how to talk to God. We talk to everybody else in the world, but we don't know that it's okay to talk to God. And and then the other thing is, a lot of us don't talk to God because we don't think it's going to do any good. And that's because our perspective on a loving father is wrong. He wants us to talk to him, and he needs us to invite him into our lives to get involved. 
It's a venture of faith. Me trusting him in my life. Now, I'll tell you guys something. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Every morning that we have the office open here at the church, the first thing we do in the morning is we have the whole staff and whoever's there in the office that day volunteering. Everybody gathers around, we pray together every morning. We pray for our day. We pray that God would lead us and direct us and give us wisdom. We pray that God would show us how to minister to people. But we always pray for you. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you to score brownie points. I just want you to know this. Every day we pray for everybody who calls the Bridge Church home. And here's how we pray. Father, we ask you to show up in the life of every person who calls the Bridge home. Make yourself evident and real. Give them an opportunity to respond to you in faith and see you do great things in their life. We pray that for you every day. But, but here's, the, here's the interesting part of this. Somebody different prays every day. And when people pray, I pray, but I also listen to people pray. Because you can learn a lot about somebody's relationship with God listening to them pray. Now, let, let me illustrate this to you. I've heard preachers, and not as much anymore, but used to, especially, especially real strong, organized religion. I've heard preachers get in the pulpit, oh, thou greatest, most almighty high one that dwelleth out in the unknown places. <laughs> it's like, really? That's your father? See, that, that's why people don't pray, because their earthly dad was that way, you know? Never knew where he was and what he was doing. But, but I've, I've heard preachers pray that way, and I think, really? Really? I don't think I want to know God the way you know him. And then, you know, I've heard people pray, oh, Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's our Lord. My grandfather, who was a godly man, but, I mean, he, he never had a dad in his life. His dad abandoned him and all of his siblings when he, they were all little. Uh, my grandpa, I mean, he was a man of faith and a man of prayer, but when he prayed, the first thing he would say is, good master, good master. We come. Well, you know what? He is my master, but he's my father. And Jesus said, when you talk to God, come to him and say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What he was saying was, take the perspective that this is my Father and he cares more about me than anybody else. And he wants to get involved in my life. And if I take that perspective, it makes me willing to open my mouth and cry out to him for the things that I need in life. We need to be talking to God. And you know, prayer is more than a spiritual discipline. Prayer is talking with our Heavenly Father. He is the God of creation. But He cares about everything in our lives and He wants to get involved. And my perspective on God will determine how I approach Him and how I talk with Him. But it will also define what I expect from Him. Now, some people say, well, you, what do you mean putting expectations on God? In the New Testament, the word hope literally means expectation my hope is my expectation hope is not a wish it's what i expect god to do you know what i expect god to do i expect god to do everything he said he would do because he's not a liar he tells the truth my father doesn't lie about things he doesn't hang, hang apples and dangle things in front of me and when i reach pulls it away that's not him if i ask for bread he gives me a bread 
If I ask for a fish, he gives me fish. What I ask him for, he brings into my life. Why? Because that's the God that he said he is. So I need to approach God that way. Last thing, number three. I got just enough time to finish. What is my perspective on faith? We talked about God. We talked about prayer. What is my perspective on faith? I told you at the beginning of this message, these three words go together. God, prayer, and faith. I'm going to show you now from Scripture. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. I'm going to tie it all up quickly. Jesus says this, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, there's prayer when you pray, things you ask, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I want to do a little exercise, okay? I want you to do it with me. We're going to read this verse together, not real fast, but not real slow. We're going to read this verse together, and I just want you to think about the words. This is what Jesus said. Now, read with me. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, I wanted you to read that with me and think about it. Here's why. Isn't it interesting how theology can make the simplest statements so difficult? Because depending on whose commentary you read, there are a hundred different definitions of what Jesus was saying there. And I got to be honest with you. I think Jesus was pretty straightforward. If anybody knew what he was talking about, I think Jesus was the one. And in this verse, he basically said three things. He said, ask, believe, and receive. Ask, believe, receive. No, I just don't think. That's the problem. We don't believe what Jesus said. We'll believe somebody's commentary before we believe Jesus. We'll believe agnostics who don't even know God before we believe Jesus sometimes. Jesus said, ask, believe, receive. Now, In closing this morning, let me give this to you. Jesus expects us to pray and to ask. That's what he said. Whatever things you ask for when you pray, he expects us to talk to God and to ask for things. But he also expects us to believe God and trust God for those things. We ask for it, but then we're to believe that we can trust him, that he's trustworthy and he will bring those things into our lives and then the third part of this then jesus said after you've asked you need to believe and then you need to position yourself to receive i'm almost done so stay with me i need to position myself to receive the word receive here as it usually is in the new testament the word receive means to take what's being given to you It doesn't mean reach up and rip it away from God. It means to take what he's handed to you. He gives you a promise and he says, believe it. And if you believe it and you ask for it, I will give it to you. That's the simplicity of God, prayer, and faith. You ask, you believe, and you receive. And and here's the thing. Jesus said, position yourself in faith. Position yourself as if I've asked, I believe God will do it, so I'm getting ready. He's going to do this in my life. And position yourself until you receive. God's promises require faith. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we want to please God, we have to believe he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. So we have to have faith to please God. But here's the good news. Every single promise of God is wrapped in faith of its own. Let me say it again. Every single promise of God is wrapped up in faith. When God gives you a promise, faith comes with it. We need to steward that promise and act on it. You say, well, what do you mean? Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So when we read a promise and we hear a promise, wow, that sounds great. And God says, yeah, well, there's faith in that. Grab hold of it and hang on to it. Posture yourself to receive. That's faith. But perhaps the greatest enemy of faith, the greatest enemy of receiving is time. It's time. Because on Sunday morning service, Pastor taught about God and prayer and faith. And I prayed and I believed, but Sunday night comes around and I haven't got it yet, so I'm not sure. Monday morning rolls around. Well, I guess that wasn't for me. By Tuesday, we've forgotten all about it. We don't even know what the pastor said on Sunday. Because time has a way of causing us to question God and then doubt God. And a lot of times we give up on what God has promised to us. You see, God's not bound with time. We are. But we live in this world where we think praying is like our microwave. Okay, I hit the 30-second button. It's going to do it in 30 seconds. I just prayed in 30 seconds. This will all be taken care of. And if it doesn't happen in 30 seconds, my faith is gone. That's because my faith is in time. My faith's not in God. Stay with me because I'm almost done here. Sometimes when we pray, Sometimes when we pray, we're asking God for impossible things. We're asking God for big things sometimes. And we should be. But in order for God to answer your prayer, sometimes there's 100,000 people praying a similar prayer, and all these things are connected. And in order for God to solve all these things and answer all these prayers at once, God's moving furniture around all over the universe, getting things in place. And while God's doing that, we've got him on the clock, and God doesn't have a clock. God's just doing stuff. And then God gets ready to hand it to us, and we're like, I can't believe it. God's not going to do it. So I'm not positioned to receive. This is good. God, faith, or God, prayer, faith. We get in a hurry. We don't wait for God to finish what he starts. Here's my conclusion. If my perspective on God is right... I see him as a loving father. And if my perspective on prayer is right, he hears and he answers prayer. Then my perspective on faith can be right. I can believe him and wait for his timing and he's going to do what he said he would do. God, prayer, faith. When I'm in need, my perspective on God will determine if I believe him, if I will ask him, and whether or not I will posture myself in faith to receive from him. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray two prayers, but I want to pray first today for every person in this room. Because we're all on a journey of faith. 
We're all learning these lessons as we live. Every challenge, every new situation, we learn different things from it. I want to pray for you today because I believe in this message. God is trying to adjust our hearts and adjust our perspective, how we see things. God, prayer, faith. So he can do more in our lives. So if you would bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. Open your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I stand with these amazing people today, people who are following you. And I ask you to give us your perspective on you, on prayer, and on faith. Help us see what you see. Help us know what you know. Help us to trust you and trust your word and trust your promises and not be moved by other things. Father, if, if people have a wrong heart toward you, pray you'd wash it out. Open up their heart. Let them see you as a loving Father who cares. Father, if there are people who are not asking you and not talking to you for whatever reason, change that perspective today. Let them know you do answer prayer. You hear, you respond to our prayer. And Father, if there's anybody here that has a wrong perspective on faith, I pray you would help them to see that they can position themselves and believe that you will do what you promised. Change our hearts. Change the way we see you, see prayers, see faith, and position us to receive from you. In Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed for one more moment. Maybe you're here today and Maybe you've never really submitted your life to God. Maybe, maybe you've listened to this and thought, wow, I can really be in relationship with God? Yes. The God of the universe wants to be my father? Yes. What do I do from here? First of all, let me tell you, God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for all the things in your life that have separated you from him. And he wants to make things right. He wants to bring you into relationship. But you need to accept the gift of his son into your own life. You need to accept Christ as your savior. And allow him to become the Lord of your life to lead you into that relationship with God. And right now, if something's kind of knocking on the door of your heart and you're stirred inside and you realize this is right, this is true. God's just waiting on you to open your heart and say, God, I want you and I need you in my life. Come be my father. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart around this prayer today. Take that step of faith and accept God into your life as your Father. Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So let these words be yours in this prayer. Father, I need you today. Father, come into my life. Be Father God to me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me with the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus. Forgive all the things behind me that have separated me from you and bring me into relationship with you so I can know you and learn your ways and find out what a loving God you really are. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. I will follow you. I will walk with you. Thank you for calling me and receiving me today. From this moment forward, you are my Father. I am your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to have some more to say about that in just a moment, but I want us to do something together. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're not finished. It's still early. We've got a few minutes. We're going to sing a song of worship and praise to God and just talk about the goodness of our Father. 
So I'm going to ask you to worship God with us, sing this song with us. When we're finished, I'll come back up. We'll give you final instructions.
just lift your hands for a moment? Let's just worship our God. Father, we're so honored that you're our Father and we're your children. We ask you to adjust our hearts today, adjust our perspective to see your love, to see your mercy, to see your grace, to see your willingness to respond to the cry of your children's hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give God praise. Can we do that? Okay, we're almost finished. Give us about three minutes and we'll be done. Don't stampede toward the door, okay? Everybody, if you would, just be seated for a moment. A couple things I want to share real quick, all right? Hey, give our worship team a hand. We love you guys. Josh, you are the man. Uh, Look, if you prayed that prayer a few minutes ago and, and you gave your heart to the Lord, you accepted Christ as your Savior and you asked God to become your Father, It's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life, but it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We want to help you on your journey. We put together a simple booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just seven little topics to learn about, to know how much God loves you and how he wants to be involved in your life. We want to give that booklet to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of those teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. If you're in a really big rush today, out in the center of the lobby, in the glass doors as you exit the building, right in the middle, there's a screen set up there the next seven days. You can stop by the desk there. We'd love to give you the same booklet there to just get you started walking with God. Let us do that today. Hey, God bless you. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? We love you today. And can we also thank Pastor Gary for that great message this morning? It's awesome. I am loving this series because here at The Bridge, we want to have God's perspective on every area of life, right? And that includes our finances. And we just believe in honoring God with our finances according to Scripture. And so right now at this time in our service, we are going to give and do exactly that, honor God with our giving. You'll see on the screens the different ways in which you can give. If you wish to give in person today, you can do that. There are giving envelopes located on the chair backs and giving stations located on each of the sidewalls just before you exit the auditorium and another one out in the foyer just before you enter the Bridge Kids area. But we just want to say a huge thank you for your continual faithfulness in giving. You know, every person's giving is so significant because together our collective giving truly is making a difference in people's lives here in our community and across the globe through missions projects together we are helping people discover relationship with a loving heavenly father so thank you so much for your giving today hey it's been great being in church with you today guys don't forget friday night bridge men night's gonna be awesome have a great week and we will see you next sunday